Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear me, Jenny Scholick, in conversation with principal dancer Misa Kuranaga. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, January 21st, 2020, before the opening night performance of Christopher Wielden's Cinderella. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to the opening night of Cinderella and uh, tonight's Meet the Artist interview with principal dancer Misa Kuranaga. So, with that, it is my great pleasure to introduce you tonight to Misa, who uh, first joined the company as an apprentice in 2001 and then just returned to the company this year in 2019 as a principal dancer. So, welcome. Good evening, everyone. So um, to quote Mary Wood, who often does these pre-performance talks, they are called Meet the Artist, and so that's really what we're going to do tonight, especially since you are new to so many of our audience members. And I'd love to start really at the very, very beginning. Can you tell us a bit about where you're from and how you first got your start in dance? I am from Osaka, Japan, and um, I started taking ballet classes at age seven. Um, I really wanted to do it because um, my friends were taking ballet lessons and I just had this dream of being a ballerina with tutus and tiaras and just all imagination. Um, so I convinced my mom to take me to the ballet class and she actually wanted me to take figure skating classes instead, <laughs> but I really had to fight with her <laughs> and I won. <laughs> So you knew from really early on that this was what you wanted to do. And how long did you stay at that first school in Japan? And then how quickly did you kind of move over? Was it a professional school right off the bat or more Mm, recreational? It was a very small school in Osaka. um, And I only had one teacher um, until I came to the U.S. So for age 7 to 17, so 10 years, I only had one teacher. And you came to the U.S. first through the Prix de Lausanne, right? Yes. Had you done a lot of competitions prior to the Prix, or was that... Yes. I have mm-hmm. done many, many, many ballet competitions um, within Japan and internationally, too. And um, that's how, actually, I got stronger as a dancer um, to overcome the fear of going on stage or, um, you know, beat the nerve and... You know, you just have to control your um, emotions and, like, your everything. So, yeah, competition helped me. But um, I wouldn't say it's necessary for everyone, but it did help me. And um, the Prix de Lausanne is a kind of interesting competition, right? Because they don't just, in that competition, it's really made for students. And they evaluate not just on your performance on stage, but also classes. It's the whole week. They're watching the whole week. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and how that brought you to San Francisco in 2001? Okay, I have an interesting story um, for Purdue Lausanne because I was about to quit ballet right before Purdue Lausanne. I was just thinking I wasn't good enough and I wasn't as interested as before to become 
professional dancer. So I was like, well, I really don't want to do ballet anymore. Um, I probably want to be in fashion or something instead. So I was kind of fighting um, with myself a little bit. Um, but one of my good friends told me, Misa, what, do I, what are you doing? You need to become a dancer. And maybe you should just uh, go to Purdue Lausanne and see if you could uh, win a scholarship and then see if you have a chance to go outside of Japan and then have an experience as a professional dancer for maybe a year. And then see after that if you can maybe, you know, you can decide after that. And I was like, okay, I'll try that. So going into Purdue Lausanne, um, most of the kids who are going to Purdue Lausanne, they are so well prepared. They will take um, summer courses of like um, uh, instructor that comes to Purdue Lausanne to teach or like so many, so many things. And they get the choreographer to choreograph a piece on them um, for the Purdue Lausanne final and all kinds of stuff. But I had none of that because I was going to quit. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I'm just going to show up and see what happens. And then I did um, get a scholarship award. And then, and after that, <laughs> San Francisco Ballet wasn't my choice to come. It, 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 this place wasn't my first choice. And um, yeah, but funny thing, it just, I, I came it here. It comes full circle though, right? <laughs> so you spent a year here in San Francisco <laughs> after the pre with, a, with an apprenticeship with the company. And then you spent a year at SAB. Yes. Right? Um, after a year of apprenticeship, um, I decided to Go back, to go back to school because um, I wasn't good enough to be in a company at that time. And then, you know, I thought that I need to train myself a little bit more. And in Japan, I didn't have, I didn't learn basic technique of ballet. I was just kicking and jumping and turning. And then I made it look like it, it was a ballet. But it wasn't good enough for the company because we have so many, as you all know, we have so many shows that go on, and without basic technique, you can't um, be on stage. It's too dangerous. Yeah, you have to be so strong, right. especially in this company where we perform so frequently mm -hmm. back to back to back right. through eight seasons, yeah. right? So from SAB, you go to Boston Ballet. Yes. Where you spent 16 seasons. <laughs> yes. Which is amazing, and became a principal dancer there. Yeah. And then this summer, came back to San Francisco. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about what um, inspired you to come back here? How did that come about? So about a year ago, last year, um, I had a chance to perform with the company on stage for opening night gala here, uh, dancing Helgi Thomason's Sora Musical with Ange Angelo Greco. And that's how... When I came here to rehearse and perform with the company, I fell in love with this company. And I really wish that I could be here and then actually happen. So it's actually a miracle that I'm here. I don't know how. <laughs> well, I think any of us who saw that gala performance know just how you made your way back here. It was beautiful. So 
I want to talk a little bit. I do want to talk a little bit about Cinderella, which is the ballet that's opening tonight um, and which you'll be performing in on Thursday and Friday, Friday evening, um, Thursday for our student matinee. Had you, you know, this is Christopher Wilden's version. It was made on us uh, and the Dutch National Ballet in 2013. Um, Had you performed any other versions of Cinderella while you were at Boston? Yes, I have performed Frederick Ashton's Cinderella, which is old British style of um, classical dancing. And it, it was a beautiful version. And that was my version in Boston for so long. And actually, that was my last thing before I left Boston. And then this is the opening of the season, and it's a Cinderella, but by Christopher Wielden. I feel like your career is so full of these, like, full circle <laughs> moments really where you funny. kind of, yeah. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit? It's uh, the Ashton and the Christopher Wilden versions have the same music, yeah. but are very, very different ballets. Very can you different. talk a bit about some of the differences between yeah. the two? So, for example, um, Cinderella is Cinderella, but... Um, uh, in Ashton's version, there's a fairy godmother, so she makes her, makes Cinderella, you know, dress up and then, you know, get her to the ball. And in Chris's version, uh, we have four fates that makes her, helps her when she falls, and then when she's going to a different direction, they take her to the right direction and then all that. So I guess four fates are the fairy godmother in this version, and um, let's talk about costume. In Ashton's, we were silver, silver and a white tutu, like classical tutu, in act two in the ball scene. And in Chris's version, it's gold, head to toe. Gold mask, gold beautiful long dress, and then gold point shoes. So you'll see it tonight, but it's, it's very beautiful. Was there anything as you were learning this version um, last summer and then getting it on stage this past week that surprised you? Well, um, in Boston, we had a lot of time to prepare. Um, So we were really well prepared to get on stage. We will have tons of uh, studio time before we get on stage. But I think because we have so many ballets that go on here that we don't always get that time. And that was my um, surprise coming here. But um, I, think, I think I just did the dress and then I'm okay. So, uh, um, yeah. I, I heard it fine. all went well today. <laughs> I think it's all going to be okay. But, yeah, because of the way our season works and how we share the opera house with uh, San Francisco Opera, um, our company rehearses in the studio kind of all of the ballets that are going to happen during the season over the summer and in the fall. And then you get about two weeks-ish to kind of put it back together, take it back off the shelf Mm -hmm. and get it up on stage. Mm -hmm. So um, one thing I do want to kind of circle back around to, you mentioned that you danced in the gala last year with Angelo Greco, Mm -hmm. and you're dancing again with him in Cinderella. Can you tell us a little bit about that partnership? Yes. (laughs) Um, I met Angelo in Milan last year, a year and a half ago. Um, we were doing Roberto Bolle and Friends tour, and uh, Roberto put us together because of the height, and then our first performance actually was the Coursera, which I performed in the gala 
uh, a week ago, right? Not yeah. even quite. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that was that went on, and we went to Genoa, <laughs> and then our first performance there was a Nutcracker Paduru, and we have this big lift, and then we have the flip, and then I had two hands down on the floor. <laughs> And I usually get very angry and embarrassed and things on stage, but for some reason, I could not get angry to Angelo. And then I was like, that's strange, Misa. You're usually so angry about your partner. What's happening? And then I felt something there that we had this like crazy strong connection on stage. And after the show... Angela was apologizing like a thousand times and he wanted to rehearse after the, after the show. And I said, Angela, it's okay. We have tomorrow. We can just try it tomorrow. It's fine. And then I said to him, Angela, I have a feeling we have a lot more shows to come and then we're going to be dancing together a lot. And then here we are. Amazing. <laughs> so um, I'm going to pause for one second and say, for those of you who recently walked in, I am sitting here with principal dancer Misa Kurnaga, and I am going to open up to audience questions momentarily. So think about them so we don't <laughs> awkwardly pause and I, you know, that you have them ready. But I have a couple more before mm-hmm. we get there. So um, one of the things that is so interesting about performing in story ballets, right, is that you have to be a character, um, and you have to have a rapport with your partner as well. So I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about who you understand Cinderella to be, and maybe what her relationship with the prince is like, and how maybe that's similar or different from other ballets that you've performed in. Yeah, um, well, I think Cinderella is a really strong woman, and even though she's been beaten up by everybody in the house and um, everything, but she gets through it. And then that's why the fates or fairy godmother sees that she's worth going to the ball and then she can marry somebody like a prince. And that's how I think of her. And But yes, she doesn't come out strong like like that, but she is a she's very strong inside and very sensitive, and then that's how you know she got to um, be where she, where she is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, my last one, and then we will open up. <clears throat> um, we are at the very very beginning of the season. Yes. There are a lot of ballets between here and the end. It's hard to even imagine um, through to May and Romeo and Juliet, um, which you did get the opportunity to perform on tour with the company in Copenhagen. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about some of those things that are upcoming that you're really excited about? Well, you already mentioned about Romeo and Juliet, and then that's actually my favorite ballet of all time. So um, I'm very excited to dance on this stage um, in May. And uh, But I'm actually excited about the whole season. It's Some of the repertoires are similar to Boston, and then some of them I've already performed in Boston. But, you know, performing here is a different thing. And I am just so looking forward to working with the company. And then I have been living in my dream, coming here, 
working with amazing artists and watching them in the studio, on stage, how they react to each other, how they help each other, how they perform on stage. And all these things are just so beautiful. And I've been inspired every single day since I got here. So I'm so excited. Wonderful. So I would love to open this up to audience questions. I will call on you. Please speak loudly. Please keep it fairly short. Make sure it is a question. And I will repeat the question um, so that everybody can hear it and we get it on the podcast recording. So, all right. Hands. Yes, right here. Can you talk a little bit about the process of getting um, your principal contract, maybe both in Boston and in here, if you have a good story for either one? Yeah, in Boston, I started as a cold ballet. So, you know, I had to go up the rank, like every every rank. I had to go through every single rank. I didn't skip any of it. Um, <laughs> and it took me a while. And But during that time, I, you know, had so many experiences in Boston and it was wonderful. And coming here was because I was the guest artist last year on the stage on opening night gala and then that's just how everything happened. Um, so yeah, and that's, I guess, you just moved to one company to the other company after becoming a principal dancer. Does, um, <clears throat> you know, you hear some company directors like to kind of surprise their dancers with promotions or anything. Is Miko Nissen in at Boston like that? Did you have a story about how you found out you were being promoted to principal there? It was not romantic or dramatic at all. <laughs> it was in his just, office. <laughs> I was just waiting for the moment. That's all. <laughs> yes, right here. Can you talk about when you first started going um, up on point and wearing point shoes? Yes. Um, I started at age eight, which is way too early. But because I was in Japan and then very small school, so there was no rules about going on point. But I know here is age 11? 11, 11, 11 or 12, 12 is pretty standard. Yeah, and I don't think it's uh, safe enough to go on point before around that age. So what I did was a little strange, and some people are okay, but I feel like at age 8, you're still growing, your joints are soft and... Um, you're not ready, so I don't recommend it. I'm fine, but... <laughs> you wouldn't recommend it to others. <laughs> All right, other questions? Yes, over here. So the question is um, that Japanese culture is really known for its discipline, and do you feel like that's something that contributed to your becoming a dancer? Yes, my Japanese teacher was very strict about everything in life, not just being in the studio or being on stage, I had to behave in a certain way, and like even in a dressing room, you would never take the spot before your, you know, somebody who's been here longer or somebody who's older has a spot, then you would never in intrude that spot from that person or anything. Real respect. Yeah. Which is part of ballet culture yes. as well, yeah. too, right? Respect and discipline. Other questions? Yeah, so the question is about um, kind of thinking about Boston Ballet and San Francisco Ballet. Miko Nissanen, who's the artistic director at Boston, was a former principal dancer here at San Francisco. So maybe particularly thinking about the repertoire and what the sort of company culture is like, any um, similarities, differences? 
Yeah, um, repertoires are similar. Uh, as I mentioned, some of the repertoire that's going to go on this season, I've already performed in Boston many times. Um, because Miko was a dancer, a principal dancer here, he has the similar business model in Boston. Uh, but there are huge differences too. So I'm adjusting and then I'm learning every day um, to fit into this company. <laughs> One of the uh, choreographers who has worked with both companies is, of course, Christopher Wilden. Yes. Had you, how much Wilden work had you done before this one here? I think we've only done one ballet, which was Polyphonia, and I think I got to do a Padudu. Well, there's no Padudu's name in the program, but uh, in Dancers, and Chris calls it um, different names, and I did one that was called Wedding Pa, which was like Hungarian-inspired music, and it's very kind of sad and like very um, beautiful. Is there, um, when you're dancing in Chris Wilden Ballet, is there anything that feels sort of distinctive about his work to you? No, I, I really like it. I just, uh, it always looks I haven't, fun. I haven't done his work for like 10 years, so this is like almost like a new to me, you know. I think we have time for one or two more questions. Yes, right here. So the question is, um, are there any dancers that you particularly admire, look up to, who inspire you in any way, whether they're still dancing now or former dancers? Um, I mean, I look up to everybody in this company. I look up to Yuan Yuan because she was here when I was here as an apprentice, and she's uh, here right now. And then I'm just celebrating her. 25 years with the company yeah, this year. it's amazing. And then I share the dressing room with her, and then I'm like, how? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And There's so many dancers that I admire. Every single dancer is here. It, they're just so beautiful. Everybody brings so many amazing things to stage and then I'm just watching every single dancers and just being wow this is amazing all right so to finish up um anything you've particularly loved or discovered in San Francisco as a city a favorite restaurant a favorite thing to do on a Sunday afternoon when you're not performing any any favorite spots I just love the view of Golden Gate Bridge it's so beautiful I feel like it's just something out of the world. So sometimes I go by the water and just look at the bridge and just like, wow, okay, I'm here. <laughs> Perfect. So on that note, I want to give a big thank you to Misa for joining us all here tonight, as well as a thank you to all of you for being here for the opening night of Cinderella. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.